The house of God is not just a good idea for Christians to come to on a Sunday. The house of God is a big deal. And we can see that in the Bible. And that's what we're going to look into today. You know, the Bible describes the church like the bride of Christ. And I've just been to a wedding and it was beautiful, you know. And I mean, the bridegroom is just, you know, just fascinated by his bride. Now, if we get that picture about Jesus and his church, what does it say? It's not just a nice little idea. It's what his eyes are on and his heart is in it. The Bible talks about the church like Jesus being the head and the church, the body. So it's connected. You cannot separate it. It belongs together. It's a big deal to Him. And um, I just want to give you a scripture that I also think really makes the point that, that Jesus thinks actually the church is a big deal. And so let's go to Matthew 16, verse 13. And this is what it says here. When Jesus arrived in the, village, in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he's John the Baptizer. Some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, or others they say one of the prophets. He pressed them, how about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of a book or from teachers. But my father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. I love this scripture, you know, like Jesus is actually putting his church together. Jesus is building his church and not even hell can stop it. Nothing can come against it. And we've seen that because after 2000 years when the church first started, we're still around. And you know, it says here, what I love about this here is like actually Jesus starts to say, hey, Peter, who do you say I am? Like he asked him first, who do other people say? But then he says, who do you say I am? And that's a good question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Not what other people say, not what you have heard, not what you have read. But who do you say I am? And then he moves on and says, well, Peter says, well, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And then Jesus turns to him and said, that is true. I actually let you in on a secret. And this is, again, I think a picture where, you know, God actually wants to let us in all the way. He actually wants to reveal secrets to us about what He's going to do, about your life. When we come with pride, what is He going to do with that? When we come with humility, He's going to say, hey, I'm going to let you in. I'm going to tell you a secret. And you know, I just have that picture. If you want to tell someone a secret, or if you want to tell someone important to you, and you're going to say, hey, come here. I actually want to tell you something. And the person is prideful and, and thinking, like, what are you going to tell me? You know, like that was me back in the day. I was like, why are we doing it like that? Why are we doing that? And pride, I'm not going to share my secrets 
to someone that is prideful towards me. But when people come with humility, when someone, when you say, hey, come, I want to share you a secret. I want to tell you something. And the person is humble, wanting to learn, wanting to listen. I'm going to tell you anything. I mean, maybe not anything. But you know what I mean? When there is humility, when there is um, want a willingness to learn. And I think this is towards us, towards God, this, this heart of humility saying, I want to learn. I want to know your secrets. I want to know what you want to reveal to me about, I don't know, whatever is on your heart about your church, because I understand it's a big deal to you. I love that picture. And I think Jesus wants to reveal secrets to you today. Let me give you another scripture in Ephesians 2 verse 20. This is beautiful. And it says this. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home and He is using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what He's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now He's using you, uh, fitting you in stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple which God is quite at home. That is pretty awesome. God is building a home. He is using us all, irrespective of how we got here. It doesn't matter where you come from, which nation you come from, which country you come from which background you come from, even which situation you come from, what mess you come from, what circumstances you come from. It doesn't matter. He wants to use you. Now He is using you, fitting you in stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see this taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. He wants to use you. And this is the secret He wants to reveal. I have a plan for you in my plan. I want to build something that is significant, that has the power to change lives, that is, that, that is a place where people can come home. You know, welcome home is not just a nice thing we say. It's not just on a card and it looks pretty on a photo. It's the heartbeat of our church. Welcome home. We don't know where people come from. I don't even know where you come from. I don't know what you have been going through. I don't know what your week has looked like. I don't know what your life has looked like. But I just want to say you welcome home. You belong here. God is using you. God wants to use you for the greatest cause that there is on the planet. That is awesome. Don't you think? That is awesome. And let me just give you one more scripture, just because I think this is so awesome. <laughs> In Ephesians 1, 21 to 23, it says this, He, Jesus, is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts, by which He fills everything in His presence. The church, the presence of God, one thing. The presence of God is in the house of God and He acts in it and He speaks in it and He fills it with His presence. The church is not 
again, like to me, that was a revelation, not a nice side thing. It is significant. It is at the center and Jesus is at the center of it. So my first point is, let's be a church praying to God. Let's just keep it simple. Prayer is really simple. It's a conversation with God. It's actually talking to God. And it's listening to God. And sometimes this can sound like, well, how does that work? Uh, exactly, <laughs> how does that work? Well, first of all, the Bible, someone told me, if you want to hear God's voice, just read the Bible out loud. I think that's awesome because the Word of God, like the Word of God, the Bible, it's, it's, it's the Word of God. That's why we call it that. So reading the Bible, it actually is God speaking. In prayer, we can come to God and He will be speaking. And this, we can do this prayerfully, bring it to God and He will be speaking. So prayer, pray like a member of the family. Don't pray like a foreigner. Don't pray like a stranger because you belong. You belong to this family. You belong to the family of God. You're a son. That's what He teaches us. Our Father in heaven. He doesn't say our Lord and Savior or our creator of the universe, although He is all that. But when He teaches us how to pray, He says, pray our Father. You're praying to your Father and don't compare God the Father to your heavenly Father. Because even if you maybe haven't had a good role model from your Father or your Father wasn't even around Don't compare him to God. That's why we need to read the Bible to actually get to know him. That's why we need to pray. Because when we pray, we get to know him. And you know what? Actually, trust starts to be built. So I just really want to encourage you. Go to God in prayer. Ask him. Ask him the things you don't understand. Ask him the things that are on your heart. But also let's ask him what's on his heart. And on his heart is the church because it's his bride because it's the home that he's building. So my second point is a church trusting God. And like I just mentioned, you know, when we pray, when we get to know God more, actually trust is being built because trust is a tricky one. Most of us struggle with trust in some way. And this is simply because the world we live in, and this is simply because we're doing life with people and people will let us down. And you know what? It's not going to stop. People will let us down. People will break our trust. And you know what? I've done it. I've said to someone, I'm going to call and I'm going to do this. And then I haven't. So we're all in the same boat. The world we live in, it doesn't necessarily help us to build trust. But the good news is that we have the source of trust in God. He's not just a little bit more trustworthy than anybody else. He is trust. He is the person. Trust. You can trust Him. You can put your trust in Him. That is good news. You know, with your children, you can trust God with them. With your career, you can trust God with them. With the desires of your heart, you can trust God with them. And maybe it doesn't always feel like that. Maybe it doesn't always look like that because it looks like this is never going to happen. I know it looks like that sometimes. And you can put your trust in God with anything that you need, with anything that you have on your heart. And you know what? I actually believe we're going to get better with, with trusting each other. And trust is the foundation of relationships. Right? right? Relationships fail often because trust is broken. We need, we need help. Let's face it. We all need help. 
That is the journey of humility to say, God, I cannot do it myself. I cannot figure this out myself. I need you and help me to trust. And then the question is going to come, are you going to trust me? Can you trust me? Will you trust me? It's a risk, but it's a risk going for. You don't want to live life just like in a safety net. Like It's exciting actually to take a risk. Trust God. What is stopping you from trusting God? And my third point is um, a church giving sacrificially. That sounds pretty intense. Um, a church giving sacrificially, not just giving, but giving sacrificially. But I think about how people do that all the time. Think about a mother constantly or a dad. You know, I've worked with moms and, and parents and babies and young children for quite some time now. And I see they give sacrificially constantly. They sometimes don't even go to the toilet because the child requires to be with them. They sometimes don't even eat. You know, they get up in the middle of the night multiple times sacrificially. But because it's important to them, because they love the child, they're going to do anything. Musicians, sacrificially giving towards their passion. I see that all the time. And it's great. You know, it's good. You know, um, athletes. Now, I'm <laughs> so much an athlete, so I would know. <laughs> but talking to people, athletes, practicing, getting up early, uh, whatever they do, you know, <laughs> but it's done sacrificially and it's completely normal. We think it's completely normal. It's actually expected. Someone building a business costs them everything. And I've actually talked to people about it and it costs their own personal finances. It costs their passion. It costs their energy. It costs their sleep. It costs anything, but people do it because they have a passion for it, because they have a conviction for it because they have a love for it. So it's actually not so far out there. This question is just, what do we, what are we passionate about? And there's nothing wrong with being passionate about sports and business and music and all of that. But can we also be passionate about the things of God? Can we be passionate about what He has actually put His life down for, which is the church? 